Hi, this is Malia Warner. Welcome to Power Principles, the podcast. Today's episode is an invitation to take part in a fun and interesting self-observation experiment. How would you like something that will dramatically propel your life forward without having to add one more thing to your calendar, without having to do anything? In fact, how would you like to change your life while you are lying in bed? Welcome to episode 45, Morning Thoughts. Before we dive in, first, the review of the week. There were no reviews this week. What's up with that? Did you know that most podcasts fail by episode seven? It's called pod fading. And guess what? I am still here. I have podcasted every week for 45 weeks. This is my 45th episode and I have 10 iTunes reviews. Come on, people. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't left a review, why not? I know it takes a minute, but send me some love. I'll really appreciate it. I had already planned and scripted this podcast episode and chosen the title Morning Thoughts. And then my daughter called this week from college with some very hard news that one of her friends had passed away after a battle with depression and anxiety as a result of suicide. It's hard. We cried so much (laughs) all day. I'm still crying about it. And I'm here doing this podcast and I'd already chosen the title Morning Thoughts and Today, that title, Morning, takes on a different meaning. It, it feels like morning thoughts. And I'm going to keep doing this podcast. I am going to keep talking about thoughts and feelings and this disease that we mislabel as depression and anxiety. And I'm going to keep having conversations and sharing what I can. The message of the podcast today really boils down to this. You are not your thoughts. Not every thought in your head is yours. It doesn't even come from you. And most of the time, the thoughts in your head are false. And you don't have to accept them. You don't have to follow them. You don't have to live by them. Thoughts that say, thoughts that tell you that people would be better off without you or that you just can't fight it anymore. Those are not your thoughts. Those are not true thoughts. Next week's episode is going to be about intruding thoughts and how to recognize thoughts that are intruders and not your own. Today's episode is a precursor practice. Today is all about experimenting and becoming an observer of your own thoughts. Why? Because as Norman Vincent Peale said, change your thoughts and you change your world. Change your thoughts and you change your life. So here is a little self-experiment for you. It has two parts. Part number one, what do you think first thing in the morning? Now I know you're listening to this, you're already awake, so you'll need to put a little string around your finger to remind yourself to do this in the morning. There is a magical time between dreaming and waking up, transitioning between full subconscious dream mode into awake conscious mode. But what level of consciousness, of self-awareness, 
do you go into in the morning? I'm discovering there is a lot of power that happens in becoming more aware of our transitions. And waking time is a moment of transition. Benjamin Franklin said, the early morning has gold in its mouth. What do you think first thing in the morning? When you start to wake up, what are the first thoughts in your head? I would venture to guess, like most of us, that you don't know. They're automatic. They're going through your head, but you're not necessarily fully aware of them. So this is a fantastic and very interesting experiment. When you wake up in the morning, just lie still. Just stay there. Don't hop right out of bed and separate yourself from your thoughts. Lie there and observe what your thoughts are doing. And it might take a minute. Thoughts are impulses of electricity. And then we somehow in our brain translate those thoughts into words and images. And so your experiment in the morning is to lie still and to observe those words and those images and just pay attention. Just watch them, listen to them and observe what they're doing. It's kind of an out-of-body experience. It might be the first realization that you've had that you can separate yourself from your thoughts, like a spectator sitting in an audience watching this spectacle take place on stage. Once you're outside of your thoughts, just lie there and observe. Watch the show. Pay attention to the images and especially notice the sentences. You might be appalled, We often realize that we speak things, that our brain speaks sentences directed to ourselves that we would never say to another person. It might be kind of interesting and it will probably be a combination of the dream that you just had mixed in with the reality of your day. Your job isn't to judge, just to be a neutral spectator for now, just watch the show and notice that they are there and notice that you are separate from this play, this show, this dialogue going on in your head. Now you may want to do this observation for a couple of days or for a full week. If you want to take this experiment to the next level, write down those thoughts, get a little inexpensive, cheap notebook, not your fancy journal, just something you're going to discard later, keep it by your bed with a pen and write down the thoughts that you have in the morning. The great work of our life is our self-education. And I'm not talking about the things that we teach ourselves when we go to school. I'm talking about what we learn about ourselves. The real work of life is not all the things that we think we have to do in the day, but the challenge of becoming more and more self-aware. So you're going to do this for a couple of days and you might even write this down and after a little while you'll have this collection and you're going to start to notice what happens in the morning, what happens with your morning thoughts. Maybe you'll notice that you wake up stressed before you even know how the day is going to go. And so you live out stress in your mind before it even happens. 
Then if your day is stressful, which it is likely going to be because you've started with that energy, you live a stressful day twice, in the morning in your mind and then in the day. So why not live joy first? Why not in those magical morning moments, think about what you really want in the day, what you would love to happen, what things you look forward to, what moments are fun and exciting and the things that you live for and experience those in your mind. Maybe a crisis will happen that day. Maybe the day won't go what you lived in your mind, but at least you will have lived joy one time in your mind in the morning. And more likely than not, your day is going to go more joyful because you've already gotten yourself into that joyful vibration. Why live misery twice? We have a tendency to believe we have so much to do. It's probably our most common morning thoughts to hear the alarm go off and to slam it and shut it off and to think, oh, I have to get up. I don't want to get up. I want to stay in bed. Oh, I should have gotten up hours ago. I'm already behind. I have so much I have to do. And our morning thoughts are already filled with dread. And immediately we start thinking about our problems. But guess what? Those thoughts are not you. Those thoughts are your brain. You are not your brain. You, your intelligence, your spirit, your essence, your personality lived. It existed before you were born as a baby into the body that you have now with the brain that you have now. And when you die, that body, including the brain, is going to go into a casket and you, your essence, your intelligence, your personality is going to continue living. So you are not your brain. Your brain, however, is this massive recording computer that has captured every memory, every image, every scent, sight, sound, touch, and taste that you've experienced from the time you were in the womb. And it has them all recorded and stored in files in your head. And the brain's job is to process and run these files continuously. And I'd like to compare it to screensaver mode on my computer. If I am working on my computer, I am typing, I am telling my computer what to do. I'm telling it what programs I want open. I'm telling it I want to do this, make this image, look at this. And then when I leave my computer, the computer goes into screensaver mode and it's still running programs. It's updating, it's consolidating information, and it's doing all of this without me telling it what to do. Brains, same way. When we are not actively telling our brain what programs we want to run, what files we want open, what images we want to see, our brain will do it for us. And the brain's default programming is negative. Our brain's natural programming coming from its caveman days defaults to survival mode, which means it is programmed to look for problems, to conserve energy, to find the easy way out, look for quick, immediate gratification, and keep us safe by keeping us in what is familiar. 
Our natural brain mode is a fear-based mode. And the purpose of this morning observation experiment is to give yourself the opportunity to step outside and watch what your computer brain does on default mode and to notice if it is starting your day in fear problem finding mode. And part two of the experiment is to take charge of your morning thoughts. Gordon B. Hinckley said, it isn't as bad as you sometimes think it is. It all works out. Don't worry. I say that to myself every morning. And why does he say that to himself every morning? Because it puts him in the driver's seat. He is telling his brain what to think and what to think about. Part two is to begin practicing determining your own morning thoughts. Why don't we naturally do this? Because it takes work. We have to make a deliberate choice. We have to be conscious and fully self-aware and decide what we want to think, what we want to think about, and it takes some work. So in the morning, when your automatic brain is automatically going into the mode of, oh, I have so much that I have to do today. I have to go to work. I have to clean the house. I have to do this. I have to do this. Just lie there, be still in bed, take a breath and ask, what do I really have to do? Because what's interesting is I don't have to do anything. No, really, truly, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to go to work. I don't have to clean the house. I don't have to take my kids to school. I don't have to go to the doctor or the dentist or the grocery store. I don't have to do any of those things. Really, truly, right? Any of us could just go to the mountain and be a hermit. So what do we really have to do? I love the story of Mary and Martha in the New Testament. When Jesus comes to visit and Mary is worried about the dinner, the beans, the rice, the meat that she's trying to cook. And whenever Jesus comes, there's always a crowd that's coming and there's a lot of preparation to do. Probably a lot of the feelings that a lot of us are having about Thanksgiving dinner this week. And while Martha's worried about if the jello salad is going to be set in time, Mary is sitting at Jesus's feet. And Martha goes in and says, look, she's just sitting there. She's not helping me. There's so much to do. Why don't you tell her to come and help me? And Jesus says, Martha, you're troubled and cumbered by much worry. And Mary knows that one thing is needful. Now, I don't think that Jesus is giving Mary a get out of doing the dishes free card. And I kind of think that Mary does end up helping a lot in the kitchen with the meal and cleaning up the dishes afterward. But what she is doing first is taking a moment to be in the presence of her Savior. She is sitting at his feet, feeling his love, having an encounter with him. And then she will probably get up and see to the meal. Because we do have things that are good to do in the day. It's probably not good to lie in bed all day, every day. It is good to get up and do some work and go to school and go to the doctor and go to the dentist. But we don't have to. The only thing we really need, the one thing that is needful every day is to feel God's love in our life. 
It is not the things we do in the day that give us worth. Our worth is full, complete. There is nothing we can do to add or diminish one cubit from our stature. And the only thing, the one thing we really need to do every day is to take a moment to sit at Jesus' feet and have an encounter with him. And those magical morning moments before all this stuff is a beautiful time to do it. Now, it's not easy to go from subconscious, funky dreams into full-on spiritual connection. So the best simple tool I know for taking control of your morning thoughts and putting yourself in the driver's seat is, hint, we talked about it last week on episode 44, gratitude. Gratitude is the quick, simple tool to grab to put you in conscious, deliberate thinking mode. The minute you say the words, I am grateful for, you have put you, your intelligence, in charge of your brain. You've shut down the brain's screensaver mode and you are telling the brain what you want to think about. You are giving the brain the images and the sentences you want it to concentrate on. So part two of this experiment, after you've spent some days, spent a week observing your morning thoughts, is to wake up and say 10 things you are grateful for in your mind. Number one, I am grateful for breath. Number two, I am grateful that I get to feel the sun on my face today. Number three, I am grateful that I get to hug my child before they go to school. And on and on. And if you have a hard time coming up with 10 things to be grateful for, don't judge yourself. It's a practice. Try it. Do it. Come up with one thing. Come up with two things. Your brain is going to fight you on this. Your brain is going to say, oh, that's so cheesy. You're grateful for cheese. That's ridiculous. And you just tell your brain where to go. You just tell your brain, take a hike. I am grateful for cheese. The more you do it, the more naturally it flows. And the more you're going to observe things in your day that you are genuinely grateful for. What you'll notice from this morning practice of gratitude is that your feelings change. You change from feeling dread for the day to feeling excited for the day. The day becomes an adventure full of possibilities. The other thing you'll notice is that problems get smaller or resolve more easily. And this is because gratitude raises your brain to a higher vibration. And a lot of times when we're feeling stuck, like we can't get past this problem that we're just hitting up against it, hitting up against it, it's because we are in low energy mode and we don't have enough energy to plow through that problem or to jump over it. And the practice of gratitude raises our energy vibration. And so we are powering through problems. We suddenly have the energy and the power to get through them and resolve them. And it feels a lot more effortless. Here's a real life story, an example. Just this morning, I knew that I was going to be recording this podcast. And so I was doing this. I was staying in bed, observing my thoughts and practicing morning gratitude. And I started listing number 10, number nine, number eight. And at number five, I had an epiphany about my writing. So I am 
deep in the mode of editing Lies of the Magpie. I have a deadline to get the manuscript to my editor. And at number five, as I was expressing, number five, I am grateful for. I had an epiphany about my writing thoughts and how they were limiting. And so even while I was practicing gratitude, I became aware that I had some underlying limiting thoughts about my writing, that I wasn't moving fast enough, that I didn't have enough time to finish the edits. And right then I chose new thoughts. I fired those actors, I gave them new scripts, and I began working my thoughts. I have plenty of time. Everything is just right. I am right on schedule. The edits are going amazingly well. I work prolifically. I work effectively. I take decisive action with what to edit. And I fired my problem-seeking brain and told my brain what I wanted it to think. I want it to think that I have plenty of time because whatever is on the stage of our brain, our brain will solve for. So the practice of gratitude puts you in charge of your life. It puts you in the driver's seat. The practice of gratitude gets you on a higher vibration and enables you to see solutions and solve for problems. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, instead of tossing and turning and feeling guilty and dreading the day, just lie there. Take a breath, observe your thoughts, separate the you from your automatic brain and take notice of what's going on. Watch the play for a while. Then when you are ready, begin deliberately practicing gratitude. 10 things that you're grateful for in the morning. Include what you look forward to in that day. And if you feel you have nothing to look forward to in your day, then it is essential that you start to practice this every morning. Then wait and see the subtle and dramatic changes that begin to happen in your life. So choose deliberate, conscious morning thoughts because either you run the day or the day runs you. Eleanor Roosevelt said, with the new day comes new strength and new thoughts. This, my friends, is the power of morning thoughts. This is Malia Warner. Thank you for joining me. You can begin to practice the power of gratitude right now by clicking on reviews and writing why you are grateful for the Power Principles podcast. I am grateful you did that, and I'll see you back here next week for another great episode.